Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And I'm welcoming and shouting out all the haters. Now, I'm not talking about mine. <laughs> oh, they exist. If there's two people that you'd want to listen to about this, I'm telling you right now, it, it's us because we're going to be raw and uncut. That's my best friend. That's my best friend. And now, it's Gabe Ramirez. There's a chance that, and right, here's the optimist in me, and that Cole Komet is going to continue to get better and be a weapon for Justin Fields. And now, Anthony Harris. I do think there's a lack of separation that's there with uh, from Cole Komet running routes, but I would not personally compare him to Frankenstein. He's far more mobile and athletic than that. Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Now me, brother! First, we were coming into Rob Bass. Today we come into a little bit of hip-hop. I love it, man. Shout out all the producers at 670 The Scores. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, ready to hold you down till 9 p.m. Cubs coming off a victory 7-5 against the San Diego Padres at Petco Park. And it was a good one. And, I mean, I can't wait to get your reactions, but let's just go ahead and recap real quick. Michael Givens gets the victory after blowing the save in the seventh inning, taking a little bit of shine away from Keegan Thompson, who got his first start of the year coming off three days rest. Did a phenomenal job going four innings, giving up two earned runs, two walks, one strikeout. But the Cubs, they helped their pitcher early. Wilson Contreras hitting in the two-hole gave the Cubs an early 1-0 lead. The next offering hit in the air. Deep right field had a good sound to it. Back goes Myers near the center, the right field fence. That ball is gone for a home run. Wilson Contreras, opposite field home run. We talk about the ball carrying better in the daytime hours. I think we saw some evidence of that right away. You know, Contreras likes hitting in the heat. After an Eric Cosmer single that tied it up at one, Luke Voigt went yard to give the Padres the lead. Luke Voigt hits a high fly ball, deep left center. Back is Hap at the fence, and that's going to be a home run. Luke Voigt, a towering home run to left center, and the Padres lead 2-1. to one. Then in the fourth inning, Cubs did the majority of their damage. Starting with Wilson Contreras, who reached on the walk, then got to second on a wild pitch, and eventually was driven home by Patrick Wisdom. Wisdom hits a little looper, right center. That's going to drive in a run. It's a base hit. Racing around third, heading home, standing up, scoring is Wilson Contreras. RBI single, Patrick Wisdom, and this ball game is tied two to two. And the walks will always get to you. Cubs tacked on two more in the fourth to take a five to two lead, and then in the sixth. The Padres added one more, but things really started to look scary in the seventh when Eric Hosmer and Luke Voigt hit back-to-back home runs to tie the game at five. 
This ball is hit in the air, deep left center. Hayward going back to the left center field fence. That's a home run. Eric Hosmer, a home run to left center, and now it's a one-run ball game. And the pitch. Swing and a high drive to deep left field. This is trouble. Back is Hap to the wall. Home run. Luke Voigt with his second homer of the day. It's almost as if you felt at that moment, uh-oh, things are about to look bad. But fortunately, that score didn't last long as the Cubs in the top of the eighth loaded the bases, and first baseman Alfonso Rivas came through for the Northsiders. The pitch. A swing and a ground ball, base hit up the middle. One run is in, half around third, heading home. He will score. Two runs, single Alfonso Rivas. Cubs lead seven to five. I was happy for him. I got to be honest. That moment, I was just saying myself, five to five, and tied it up, came right back. But of course, Rowan Wick did a phenomenal job pitching two innings to close the game. And the 2 1 pitch to Ha Sung Kim. Popped up, this should do it. Shallow center, Vargas is there. And the Cubs win the ball game. A routine pop-up to the shortstop, Vargas. The Chicago Cubs have beaten the San Diego Padres by a score of 7-5. to five, And the Cubs win the series. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron here on 670 to score. And how should Cubs fans feel? I mean, they go and take the series against a really good San Diego team. And then but putting the record at 11 and 19. So it's kind of like you, you you hate it, but you love it. How should Cubs fans feel after this game? I mean, you got to allow yourself to enjoy it. And it, it can be difficult to maintain context of, of situations like this, of results like this, where the Cubs had lost five games in a row before starting this series with the Padres, eight out of the last nine. But then you take two out of three from from the payroll beasts that that are the Padres, and and at least it does feel good <laughs> because you're seeing some of these names, some of these players, some of this young talent that's been out here doing their thing for a very brief period of time at the major league level. But you're seeing them, seeing seeing guys like Keegan Thompson be able to come in and and perform well in situations that we haven't witnessed them in very frequently. And then, of course, Wilson Contreras being able to come in and continue to show his all-star capabilities as a catcher. And, you know, a lot of the, the broader, the kind of like macro questions come into account with that as well, especially specific to, to Contreras because you're just wondering. You see the, the hot streak that he's been on over the last five games here, 11 out of 17, like Zach Zayman was talking about in the postgame show there over that five-game stretch, a five-game hitting streak that he's got rolling right now. And you love to see that while at the same time you look at it through the context of will the Cubs end up deciding, will, will Jed Hoyer end up deciding that that means he'll be a part of the future here for the Cubs or is he just sort of positioning himself to be trade bait, to be some kind of chip that the Cubs could end up moving. So it's hard not to, when, when you're looking at a guy like Contreras, a guy like Ian Happ, and the way he's been playing for the majority of the season here, it's hard not to wonder what that ends up meaning for Kyle Hendricks, the way he pitched last time out. You're looking at some of the pieces who've been older, who've been more veteran, who are a little more proven, especially in the case of Contreras and Hendricks, who are more proven at the major league level. Do the Cubs feel like you know a, a series like this, where you get that combination of youth, of inexperience that combines together with some of your more proven commodities, do you look at trying to say, all right, where, where are we finding a future core? Certainly not a current core. You know, you 
can't look at this season and think the Cubs are really going to do anything major, obviously. <laughs> right. But are you looking at something that you think can become some version of a core that you build off of with a, a little bit of the money that you spent this offseason? And then can you say, all right, there are pieces here that if this coming offseason is going to be where they're spending, where they're looking to build back towards being a winner, this is at least a series taking two out of three from San Diego. You look at that and say, all right, now there's some tangible results from some of these guys that we've been hoping for for more from this season. And it's a nice combination we've seen, two out of three against San Diego, where you get some of the proven commodities mixed together with some of this this sort of you know youthful zest that the Cubs got on the field for them right now. You know, it's funny because it, it's essentially what you'd expect from this team. Right. You know, you have professional baseball players that are going to come in every day, compete for your Chicago Cubs. And you are going to surprise some teams like the San Diego Padres that are going to take you lightly. You know, they're 20 and 12 on the season, playing some really good baseball, better than most expected with a lot of the injuries that they had. But Cubs coming off of four losses. I mean, again, it's what you expect. You expect them to be as inconsistent as a team is when they are in the middle of rebuilding. But to your to your, what you were stating earlier, and when it comes to Wilson Contreras, uh, Hendricks, I mean, if it was me, if I was a Cub fan, I'd say get rid of these guys. Give me more assets. Yeah. Give me more opportunities to swing for the fences with some young guys that could potentially work out better when they're in the window, right? Because that's what we all try to get towards. If you're a mm. professional team, you try to create a window, try to make it last for as many years as possible. And when you aren't in that window, you're essentially wasting talent at that moment. You're going to fill seats no matter what. You're the Cubs, right? And so I think... You, you look at a guy like Contreras, you've seen him in the one hole. He's back at the two hole. You know what he can do for your team. He can be that DH. He can be a catcher, with his, which is a coveted position in Major League Baseball. So, again, I look at somebody like Contreras. If you if you can find a team that can be a great match, someone that can give you some some depth, someone somebody that can give you some some bodies in the minor league system, or, or maybe even a, a, someone that is a younger star, not not necessarily as, as far along as Contreras, then you have to look at those options, and I'm sure – I am certain that the Cubs brass is looking at that and saying to themselves, yes, Contreras, please continue to play well. Please continue to be passionate about this Cubs team and about winning because that is essentially what these teams are going to be looking for come trade deadline. It's interesting, though. I mean, the Cubs, they will be taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks this weekend. And I think, it, like, and don't you, aren't you anticipating maybe like a sweep or something like that? Because that's the kind of season it's going to be for the Chicago Cubs. It, it feels that way where there's going to be a lot of fits and starts, you know, probably more fits than anything. And the, the Cubs are in a little bit of a weird spot with their, with their lineup right now, too, because you got guys like Frank Schwindel, like Patrick Wisdom, who are, who are inexperienced at the major league level. But not young. You know, you got guys like 29, 30 years right. old so who, who haven't been at this level for very long. And so in theory, it's like, all right, these guys should be in maybe their mid-20s. They're 29 <laughs> and 30 years old. And so, you know, when you're projecting for whether or not you could try to count on some of the inexperience that are maybe rounding into form, maybe finding their stride a little bit and wondering whether or not they, you know, as far especially because they're so inexpensive – if these are guys who can start to put together some consistent runs again, like we've seen from brief stretches in the time they've been here in Chicago, then maybe that is something that you can at least count on having as a part of, you know, if not a core, but at least key contributors moving forward. But their age makes it makes it seem like that's not as likely because even though they haven't been at the major league level that long, 
these guys are old, you know, it's yeah. in baseball years. And so, you know, the, the fact that, I mean, you know, I think they're both older right now than Wilson, Wilson Contreras, who <laughs> is this kind of sage veteran who you're wondering whether or not he's going to be on the way out and can you get something in return for him. And I think what you're saying makes sense, Gabe, just especially specific to Contreras and Hendricks because of where the franchise is at right now and the fact that for whatever reason, I'm just – I hope – Whatever, whether it's reporting about the situation or at whatever point, if Wilson Contreras is not up anymore at some point here, then, you know, if we end up just getting some public proclamations on exactly why they haven't been able to reach an accord. And, you know, we don't even have public reports on any, even with Chris Bryant, for all the years that the Cubs were at odds with Chris Bryant, you would at least get the occasional report about, numbers he's looking for or supposedly offer or offers plural that the Cubs made. There's really not much of that coming out with Contreras and it doesn't make a lot of sense, man. I mean, he, he is, he is homegrown. He's this guy that you've nurtured into the capacity that he's at right now. And you've turned him, you've helped him and he's, you know, you've helped nurture him to become this perennial all-star catcher and coming towards the end of his time before he can hit free agency there just doesn't seem to be a lot of interest by the Cubs to keep him around. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to most, most folks evaluating the situation as to why. If nothing else, man, I mean, if you, if you can't sign him to some sort of a favorable, favorable contract, then it doesn't mean you can't trade him later on. It just seems sure. odd that they're you know, risking the potential to lose him for nothing. And you, at least you, know, you certainly would, even if you trade him now, be able to trade him for less because you're not trading contract control, you know, that could have been there if you'd have traded him a year or a couple of years ago either. So it's a really awkward spot the Cubs find themselves in with Contreras. But like you said, at least the better he plays right now, <laughs> then you are adding, you are upping some value there, even though you're not necessarily going to have a lot of contract control that you're trading away to whoever you may be able to move him to. Every time he hits a home run, you get an extra double-A player. That's all I got to say. He's hey, Ann Heron. Way, yeah. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670, the score. I almost feel also like Contreras is the junior that hung out with seniors, you know, hmm. and then all the seniors leave, and then you're uh, and you're just by yourself looking around. And like, I'm the old guy now? When you, did that happen? You look like Will Smith on an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You're like wondering uh, where everything's at, and you're just right. like, oh, I'll do my best to be here, but whatever. But I do want to shout out Keegan Thompson. I mean – Listen, everyone had been calling for him to get an opportunity to start. He'd been doing phenomenal out of the bullpen. Today to go four innings and only give up two earned runs on a spot start on three days rest, he just got to tip your cap to the guy. He didn't get the victory. Of course, Michael Givens ended up blowing the save and getting the win. But I think you got to look at Keegan and you got to say to yourself, as you were mentioning earlier, who, are, who is someone that we can build our team around? Who's someone that we can keep for the years to come? And I think he can be that guy. And he's proven today stepping up against a really good San Diego Padres team and prove that, hey, I belong on this stage. Of course, Cubs winning 7-5 to against the San Diego Padres. The White Sox, on the other hand, unfortunately did not play today because of a COVID outbreak within the Cleveland Guardians organization. They said they'll reschedule it for later, and maybe that might have been a good thing. Because, you know, the White Sox technically have the worst defense in Major League Baseball. And the question uh, is literally, <laughs> literally, but yeah, we, 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 yeah, technically, right? You can, you can look at it a couple of different ways, but yeah, yeah, the defense ain't good, exactly, point. right? But uh, can they still make a run at the AL Central with that gray cloud looming? Are there or are there clear skies ahead? Or should Sox fans get an umbrella and prepare for that storm? We are going to ask MLB.com's Scott Merkin next.
It's Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. When I hear that, I think of Beavis and Butthead. Breaking the law, breaking the law. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You, I didn't make, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. Start, start hard rocking to that. Start uh, bobbing my head a little bit. Daggers up. People, hopefully nobody's breaking the law trying to get their way when it comes to the Chicago White Sox. I feel like so many people have been having just opposite end opinions when it comes to this White Sox team. And with the worst defense in Major League Baseball, I wonder literally. if literally, I wonder if the White Sox can still compete for the AL Central or, or run away with it as they should. And to discuss that today, joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book from MLB.com. He's the White Sox beat writer. Scott, are, are you concerned with the defense of the Chicago White Sox when it comes to, let's not even discuss playoffs, just when it comes to winning the AL Central? First of all, when you said Beavis and Butthead, I thought of like my eight favorite moments from that show, like instantly when you brought that up, because Mike Judge is a genius, and that show is just <laughs> tremendous, just one of the funniest things you could watch on TV. But anyways, back back to the defense. Yeah, I mean, I you know I know they've struggled with that the last couple of years, and it's a point that 
I, I know the air total is high, but the defense was very good. It was actually outstanding behind Lucas Giolito uh, Tuesday night. We're on Wednesday, right? Tuesday night. So I think the key thing you have to look at is, remember, it's, they're what, 15 and 14. It's 29 games into the season. I get there's been some miscues. Every team is going to have miscues. You know, I look at a play like what happened with Gavin Sheets on Monday night where he dropped the fly ball and right. I don't think that was a bad defense play. I think it was just a mistake, and that happens. I've seen Mike Trout drop fly balls, and he's one of the best defensive players in my lifetime. You know, I'm sure Ichiro has dropped a fly ball at some point in his career. So I don't think that was like, oh, he's a poor defensive player and he took the wrong route. It was just right there. He thought it was in his glove, and it wasn't. You know, that's, that's why they call him errors. But they do play good defense at times, and I think it's it's something they work on very hard, very diligently, and I don't think this will play out over the course of the season. I think the, the thing you have to avoid doing right now is judging every inning, every moment, every game as if it's Game 7 of the World Series. You know, I mean, you, you have to look at the big picture. They're going to get healthier very soon. You know, Lance Lynn, Aloy Jimenez, they're getting healthy now. Joe Kelly, Yohan Moncada, both already back. And... You know, I think look at this team in like July, you know, maybe close to the all-star break and see where they are. And I still think I, I said from the beginning, I thought Minnesota would be in this race. I thought Detroit would be, too. Apparently, I'm wrong on that one, or at least early on, it looks like I'm wrong. <laughs> but I still think the Sox will win that division. Here's what worries me a little bit with it, though, Mark. It feels like when the errors begin, that they snowball. Mm. And that the the game itself, you know, it's, you know, and I don't know, maybe I'm just looking at it through the the Monday lens on its own, but it does feel like there have been games here where one error leads to four errors and a game that felt winnable ends up just sort of falling apart because they just can't grip the ball defensively. And I think we've seen several examples of that. Does it seem like maybe there's something, you know, something with within the mentality of handling those moments and properly recovering from them once they begin. Well, I think you can look at it two ways and you can look at it and say, it was just a, you know, it was a bad game. You know, they've had a couple bad games against Cleveland defensively that one, I think it was, it was the first game of the doubleheader. I believe that Dallas Keiko started in Cleveland. That was a, a debacle defensively. And then Monday there were what four miscues altogether. But on the other hand, I think you can say that it, it obviously isn't something that's happening every day. It's not every day they're going out there and making two, three, four errors. It seems to hit at a couple moments and then it it, it dissipates. So, but the, here's the, here's another the other side of it though, and this has been brought up to me by a couple people when I say to them, "Well, they're the best team in the AL Central. They're going to win that division," and people will counter and say, "Well, yes, that's very possible, but they want to win a World Series, right? I mean, this is not a team that if they get to the playoffs." and go out in the first round that they're going to be like, okay, cool, we made the playoffs. They want to win the World Series, and they can win the World Series. They're that talented. There's that many good players on that team. So, you know, you have to avoid those kind of games when you're playing in maybe a winner-take-all or just, I guess, everything is kind of winner-take-all in the playoffs. So you have to be sharp for that time. But there's plenty of time to get there. They have good defensive players. It's not like you look at the guys who are on the field and say, well, you know, he made those two errors in the game, but he's not very good defensively. They do have good defensive players out there pretty much across the board. And, you know, you have a guy like Gavin Sheets who has learned the position in the last year, just using him as an example, not trying sure. to, you know, he's had two huge moments offensively in the last two games. And I think this is a guy who's, you know, learning as he goes out there. And they have other options out there too, with like an Adam Angle, who's a gold, gold glove caliber defensive player. But I, I think you make a good point in that you can't let it build up, especially in a game that really is huge when it comes, you know, postseason. But they also have shown this is a very resilient team. You know, Tony LaRusa keeps pointing up to 
opening day where, you know, Javi Baez hit the walk-off just off, just above Pollock's glove off the right field wall, the, the double, and they bounce back the next day. Well, they better be able to bounce back if they, <laughs> if they hang their head after game one. That's not going to bode real well for a 162-game season. But you look at what they did last night, you know. Tony was joking today that he's still not over what happened at the end of Monday night's game. And look at how that team just came back last night. And Lucas summed it up well post-game where he's like, we know what we're about. We can self-assess. You know, we knew what had to be done, and we came out and did it. And they played a, a very solid, very tight game last night in that 4-1 win. It's always a good thing when Giolito can get on the bump after a game like that. We're oh, talking yeah. to Scott yeah. Merkin. Well, right. well, I mean, look at the look at the four starters they're going to have. They're taking nothing away from Dallas Keuchel or Vince Velasquez, who have had good moments at, you know, at times in the first month and a half now, five weeks. But, I mean, if your front four in the rotation is – in no order, you know, in particular, uh, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, and Lance Lynn. That's going to be a, a, you know, front four that stacks up in any series, regular season, let alone in the postseason, too. So, you know, that, that that's a pretty good. And the same with the back end of that bullpen with Hendricks, Kelly, Bummer, and Graveman. So, and, and, and you're getting some of the younger guys' experience, too. So, a, a lot to unpack in my answer there, but there's a lot of good things for this team, even if they're 15 and 14 right now. We love hearing good things. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. We're talking to Scott Merkin from MLB.com. All right, fine. We'll cut the defensive slack. We won't harp on it too much. But let's talk about what you were just mentioning, and that is the starting pitching of the Chicago White Sox. Where do you see Lance Lynn because I'm curious where he falls in that pecking order. We knew we know he was the number two starter for the White Sox going into the playoffs last year. You have a, a solid Michael Kopech pitching right now. Where where do you see him? Do you see him as the third starter? Do you see him push being pushed to the number four slot? Where do you see Lance being when he comes back into this rotation? Well, I'll defer to the guy who has three World Series championships and six <laughs> pennants and saying that the starter on that given day is the number one starter, right? And I guess that's a really old cliche, but it really is true, right? I mean, when you get to the postseason, sure, you want the guy who's starting the first. I look at 2005, and Jose Contreras, I believe, started each series in the first game and really set the tone for those series. So that's what you want from your first guy. But, I mean, even if you have a great start in the first game of the series, you're not going to win it just by that one start, right? you got to have starts throughout the series and good play overall. So I think he's, you know, a frontline guy. He was an all-star last year. He was a Cy Young candidate on top of that. So I, I think, you know, healthy, he's right up there. And that. But I think the beauty of what the White Sox have is they have four guys who you, you know, and Kopech is obviously in his first full season in the rotation. They're monitoring his innings. But, I mean, just his stuff and his competitiveness, you have four guys who on a lot of teams would be the quote-unquote number one of their rotation. So if you can have your fourth starter being a guy who's number one in a lot of other you know, a lot of other squads, that's a pretty good situation you're working with. With Dallas Keuchel, uh, Gabe and I have talked a couple of different times here in recent weeks just about whether or not he, he is long for the uh, for the major league level, if he's long for the starting rotation, if there's going to be some reason they find to, you know, put him on the IL. But last time out, all right, you, you get a quality start from Dallas Keuchel, and it was good to see from what we've seen the bulk of the season here is that – were there signs there that that's something they can count on and being a continuing trend? Yeah, I mean, this is a veteran guy who's had great success in his career. I mean, he's a Cy Young winner. He's pitched for a World Series team. But again, that's the back of the baseball card, right? Doesn't doesn't buy you any <laughs> good graces in the current time. But I, I wasn't at his start in the game against the Angels where they had, you know, what they consider. Some people, some players have talked about a big turnaround moment where they were down, what was it, 6 nothing in the ninth and scored 5 and mm-hmm. left the bases loaded with two outs. 
And I, I believe he said after the game that he thought he was close and that I was in Boston on Sunday when he had a, a very solid six innings. And he said he feels like he's getting to that point. So I'm not going to look at what they're going to do with him or what they're not going to do with him because that's more, you know, Rick Hahn and Tony LaRusa and Kenny Williams' jobs and Ethan Katz to figure out Kurt Hassler. But, I, you know, he's he's got to start against the Yankees. It's a tough right-handed hitting team on, I believe it's Saturday now with the game canceled today. So I think you just go, you know, start by start with all these guys. There's going to be a need for another starter on Tuesday because of the doubleheader. They have a stretch of like 18 games in 17 days before today's unscheduled off day. So, you know, they're going to be creative in how they use guys out there. And he is one of the guys and one of the, you know, options they have right now. So instead of, I'm not going to, you know, forecast out into late June or whatever it is and figure out what's going on. Then he is one of the guys in there at this point. Definitely a br- brutal schedule for May when it comes to time off. We just don't get a couple of days until the end of the month when we're playing the Cubs and, and such. But I do want to talk, continue to talk about the pitching. I, I think it's something that we can look at and as a highlight for the Chicago White Sox team. And even though his, he struggled, I still look at Liam Hendricks as a, as a bright spot in that, in that pitching staff. And I hope that he's closing out playoff games in October. But I am curious, because he has had a health issues, who could potentially be the closer in the event that he's not available in the short term or the long term? Well, I think, first of all, you know, he does such a good job of taking care of himself and getting himself prepared that I think he'll, you know, barring something unexpected, he'll be fine. But, you know, what I was mentioning earlier, they have so many viable late-inning options. You know, Aaron Bummer's on the AL right now, but he's the guy who could do it. Kendall Graveman did it on Tuesday night. He has a couple saves. He closed out the game. Joe Kelly hit 99.5, although he kind of said that he was, you know, little adrenaline was flowing, but he, you know, he's trying to get, I think, his timing back he was talking about before Tuesday's game. He's a guy who could do it. And then you have some of the younger guys who have done a, you know, a great job. I mean, uh, Matt Foster. Matt Foster has been a huge surprise. And I shouldn't say huge because in 2020, he was a really good pitcher and struggled a little bit last year. And now he's back. He's incorporated a slider and a curve into his repertoire. He's a, he's a high leverage guy. So I think you could use him in there. Jose Ruiz closed out, started the ninth inning in Boston on Sunday, and Bennett Sousa finished it. So, again, I don't think they envision, and this is taking nothing away from these guys, Jose Ruiz or Bennett Sousa closing out a World Series championship. But then again, look across town and who thought C.J. Edwards and Mike Montgomery would close out the Cubs World Series championship in 2016, right? So anything can happen, and I think that's one of the key things the Sox are doing very well right now, and that's part of it because of the injuries they've had. And some scouts have told me this, that they're getting everyone involved. There's no one on that bench or in that bullpen. That, I guess Tanner Banks went a little while in between appearances, but he's more of a long reliever right now. But there's no one on that roster that hasn't got in there and played meaningful innings. And that's going to be key because, you know, there's at some point you're going to need a guy that maybe you didn't think you'd need at that certain time, and he's going to be ready to go because they've used him and he's, you know, he's game ready throughout the season. Scott Merkin of MLB.com, our guest here on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline. You can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Merkin. Before we let you run, Merck, you did get a chance yesterday to hear from Eloy Jimenez on his health and that, that surgical repair of the hamstring, which always sounds a little scary when you got to repair soft tissue injuries. But, you know, supposedly the, the timetable could be a little speedier than what folks were initially worried about. Well, what's the latest on Eloy? Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to disparage anyone who's put any knowledge they have out there, but I, you know, I think they're sticking to the timetable they have, and I think it's great what he what he's doing right now. First of all, he looks in good shape. He looks like you know during this time he's probably dropped a few pounds, and he seems in good spirits. 
you know, he was, I'll be honest with you, we saw him in Minnesota when he hurt himself on that Saturday, and he looked despondent over at first base while he was being helped in the car. Understandably so. The guy went through an injury that kept him out until, I I forget his exact, was it June last year that he started? And, you know, so here he goes again, and I'm sure he's thinking that. The next day we watched him walk in on crutches, and he was having trouble, like, even, you know, maneuvering to get into a seat. So, I mean, I I thought, okay, this is going to be a while. And the next thing you know, you see him in Boston, you know, running out in the outfield. He took some batting practice, I believe, on Tuesday. He actually talked to us yesterday. So I think just let him come back when he's ready. And Rick Hahn is, you know, they've unfortunately been through a lot of injuries, and they do a great job. They have a long view of this season. This is not about getting those two big wins in July. This is about being as strong as you possibly can in October when the playoffs begin and you know and they have to get there obviously so you can't give away games but you know they're I think they're going to get there so there's no reason to rush him so if it's a little early from the six-day weeks that's great he showed that he's got great recovery powers you know he showed that last year but I wouldn't you know read into anything I mean nothing is really can even be counted to start coming back until he goes on a rehab assignment and I would think that's going to take you know he's been gone for a little bit now I think that's seven to ten days on that and that's Again, my pure guess, no one's told me one way or the other on that, but I think just let him come back at his own pace, and if it's a little earlier than the six to eight-week projection, all the better for the White Sox. Scott, thanks so much for hanging with us. I appreciate you giving us your time. I'm going to go look up some Beavis and Butthead stuff on YouTube right now, just after the after that thought was put out there. Fire, fire. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Scott, thanks a lot. All right, guys, take it easy. White Sox beat writer for MLB.com, Scott Merkin, joining us right here. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. Uh, I always, I always feel when I speak to him, he just kind of calms me. You know, if I'm too high, he brings me back down. If I'm too low, he just perks me back up. So that, that's what we're trying to do to you guys as well, and especially when it comes to the Chicago Bears. The Bears have a brand new quarterback, Nate Peterman, and his biggest highlight is one where he's getting chewed out by his coach. We're gonna play the audio of the tongue lashing and maybe give him a piece of our mind as well. It's Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.